Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second snippet of our amazing conversation with Augustine McKinley from Contox. Augustine is a senior financial writer at Contox, a former lecturer and a fellow podcaster. He is a fount of knowledge, particularly when it comes to currency management, foreign exchange risk management, FX trading, and so on. Hussam and I simply couldn't stop asking him questions, and we feel how passionate Augustine is when we sit down and listen to him. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is the life cycle of a foreign exchange trade, including all the steps from the pre-trade, execution, and post-trade activities, what an FX result is and how to account for it, and much, much more. If you like the episode, the best thing you can do is to share it, submit a review on your favorite podcast app, and subscribe to the podcast. This will mean the world to Hussam and I and will help the podcast a lot. With all that being said, please welcome Augustine McKinley. That was a great overview into the different aspects of currency management, currency risk management, etc. Moving forward, you, you started to touch on the typical life cycle of an FX deal. You mentioned a little bit about pre-trade and post-trade and whatnot. Could you take us through that journey? So what is a typical life cycle of an FX deal starting at pre-trade? Right. Yes, absolutely. Look, it's a, a, a great point because it's, it's not mentioned for you in textbooks, right? In, you pick a textbook on currency management and then you have it. By magic, the exposure is there. All you need to do is to execute a hedge. But in real life, things are, of course, a lot more complicated, right? The, what we call exposure is, for example, on that, that budget forecast could be a piece of exposure. But also a farm sales order for which no invoice has still been issued. Or it could be an invoice, right? Uh, or an account receivable or an account payable. So there are different types of, of exposure. And that's why we give a lot of attention to the process of that pre-trade phase of gathering that information, collecting uh, that, that exposure. If, if I mention forecasts and then firm, firm sales orders and then invoices, in real life, you will get that. You will see that these pieces of information oftentimes are to be found in different company systems, right? Maybe spreadsheets, if it's about broadcasts, maybe on your enterprise resource planning or ERP, if it's about sales or purchase orders, maybe in your treasury management system, if it's about invoices, right? And you need all those systems to be able to say, to communicate, to talk to each other in order for you to be able to gather that information, that exposure to currency risk. Note also that maybe headquarters has a fine process in place, but maybe the some subsidiaries do not. So all of this needs and needs to be to be managed. And is it is absolutely uh, so key to have all 
in its entire entirety, right? All of the exposure information we collected, and in a timely manner, as as soon as possible, if interest rates, especially if interest rates, are in your favor. So, so that quit rate phase includes that process of exposure collection, but also what we call exposure validation. There must be exposure, sorry, exposure processing that includes validation. Somebody has got to, there must be rules to, for somebody to validate, right, to confirm that a hedge is got to be executed. Or she will go back to, to uh, Guillaume's example of a loss straight at the start of the period, right? A very senior person in the organization must validate that trade because otherwise you could be in, in trouble. So processing the exposure involves rules to validate those trades and rules to aggregate also different uh, pieces of the exposure. So that's, in a nutshell, the pre-trade phase. We went then to trade phase. Mostly now it's done with those multi-dealer trading platforms. And then there's going to be what, what we call the post-trade phase, including accounting and, and of course, so all the process of reporting and analytics. If you can help me understand like what you mean by exposure in layman's terms, right? So is exposure gathering just sort of figuring out what the risks are for your company and whatever dealings you have coming into the future? It's kind of just for understanding where you might lose out due to external factors. Is that is that a good way to summarize it for Liam? Yes, yes it, it, it is, right? And it, it can be, that exposure can be, again, in the shape of a just a forecast, right? And mm -hmm. the, uh, it's typical for when budgeting takes place, it's a complicated process in which, uh, so purchasing managers, the, the, uh, the sales uh, teams are going to be involved, perhaps accountants, economists, lots of teams are going to, to come up with Excel spreadsheets in which all that information is so it's gathered. And once, once the, so the budget uh, period is underway, it is vitally important to have a, a strong, solid process to make those that, that calculation because, of course, if you want to manage the underlying currency risk, you need to know exactly how much to uh, to to trade in in forward markets. Right? But that exposure also could also be in the shape of firm sales orders. That's what happens at in the travel industry, right? We we don't advise to here to to hedge your exposure based on forecasts, but rather on firm sales or purchase orders. Or it could be for firms that are interested in just the accounting side of risk management, namely to, to avoid excess, say, variability in your, in your profit and loss, in your income statement, to hedge at the moment the invoices that are recognized in accounting terms are, are, so, are, are issued. So there are different types of, of exposure to, to risk, absolutely. No, very clear. And you mentioned earlier about netting your um, FX processes and, and instruments. Are you able to define that netting at the pre-trade phase or only afterwards? Very good point. Sometimes it's got to be it's got to be at the at the pre-trade phase, 
But it, again, remember that textbooks tell a very different story than, than reality. And you, you, especially when you have to deal with many subsidiaries that have different so processes in place. And, uh, but yes, of course, the effort must be very, very clear from the beginning to have the best process in place to gather all that information. But netting could be, as I think, Hussein, you're, you're um, deducting from what I said earlier, right? That when you delay heads execution with the help of conditional orders, then you're going to find, and that's a very good point, right? Indeed, you might have more time to spot to incorporate those netting opportunities, which could be very important, right? Because say that headquarters is planning to sell whatever millions in dollars with a given value date, and suddenly it turns out that one uh, subsidiary plans to buy the same amount of dollars with the same value date. Why execute two hedges, right? It would be costly, It would, and it would force you to, to set aside cash or remember the collateral requirements of good faith or payments that you do beforehand. So to do it twice, it's uh, so it would be very costly. And indeed, netting is about that. And it's a way, again, right, that we at Cantox emphasize so to understand currency risk management in this case, not only as just executing hedges, right? Oh, great. I, I think last point in, in the pre-trade phase is um, you need to get a rate given to you, right? So... Um, you mentioned earlier a little bit about competitive bidding or, or the different FX traders. Like, what's the process of actually getting a rate for your FX transaction? Yes, uh, thanks, Kusan, uh, for reminding me of that because I, I had, so um, maybe I had not mentioned that point. It's a very important one. In, in fact, it's incredibly exciting one. Again, another case that you will not find on textbooks. Now, say that you are importing uh, furniture from China, and you plan to sell that in the UK market, right? To your commercial team, the exchange rate between the pound and the, or, and the dollar or the Chinese currency, depending on whether uh, in China is the phrase not to be settled dollars, which is often the case, or in the local currency, right, becomes uh, a key element of all your business strategies. So it's absolutely vital to understand the process through which this uh, foreign exchange rate is obtained by the commercial team when they price the transaction. Again, easier said than done because there are many questions here. Where do you get that rate from? Do you get it from a website? Is it up to date? Do you get it from perhaps a central bank, as most central banks do publish uh, exchange rates? Or do you get it from Bloomberg or from, say, Thomson Reuters, a financial service? Now, Perhaps you might want to, uh, something that we could also discuss, you might like to use the forward rate instead of the spot rate to determine your price in your local currency. As there are interesting uh, differences uh, here. And also, you need to define how often are you going to source that rate. This ought to be once a day, and you say, give that to the, all the commercial team. This has got to be once a day at three o'clock, but why at three o'clock and not at two o'clock? Or is it going to be uh, eight every week? Or you see, there are 
lots of, of possible way to, ways to, to do that. What we call a good ethics rate sourcing process is one in which the, the, the finance team, right? the, the, the treasury team, so to say, commercial teams with the ethics rates they need for pricing purposes. A rate could be, again, spot rate, or it could be the three-month forward rate or the six-month forward rate. It could include a markup, most likely higher rate or a lower rate, depending on your client's size. A, a good process will, uh, will provide the commercial team with all the rates they need, spot basis, forward basis, with the markups per client set, per currency pair they desire, right? And that's, if it's done on a real-time basis, so much the better. It's going to allow the team to be a lot more competitive in terms of pricing. And look at what, what you will, will be achieving here, something that is more and more discussed now in, in business is you're going to remove those silos, right? That, that you have when the treasury team acts in isolation with respect to all the teams. In this case, the, the commercial team, right? But what if you uh, allow them to cooperate? What if the process of sourcing the rate is exactly the way to remove those silos, that separation that is causing Oh, so much trouble. Now, there's a, an incredibly uh, uh, so exciting document or book, I, I should say, by consultants at Kinsey. They are calling for, if you can believe it, right, for $8 trillion in revenue growth well, between now and the end of the decade. And it's got to go for those who are capable of removing those sides and, and enhance their competitiveness. Mac, you, you sometimes make treasury sound like poesy. I, I really love it. Um, that <laughs> that's perfect. We so we covered quite extensively uh, the pre-trade phase, right? What about the actual trade phase? How does a trade happen in the real life? Right. Look, once again, to go back to the the example of a of the US-based company that has costs in dollars and it's called the so the, the functional currency, that's currency in which they have their costs in, the currency in which they present their financial statements, and they have a so a, a sale in a, a planned sale in in euros, right? And ideally, and it it happens all the time. Or the trade phase will so the at the on the same date in which you're you're closing that transaction that. Transaction is agreed upon. You are going to also sell the corresponding amount with a bank or with a bank, but through most likely a multi-dealer trading platform with a value date that is set to coincide with the settlement of the commercial transaction. So here, the, uh, in the best case scenario, payments are not going to be much of an issue here because the cash that you receive from your commercial transaction is going to be used to settle your commercial transaction, your, your financial transaction. Remember that you had an agreement. Uh, we say an agreement, it's a contractual agreement. It's on the contract law. So it's, you must execute, you must so comply with that agreement. You must so deliver those uh, 100,000 
euros to the bank in exchange for which you will receive those dollars. And that's, that's an ideally executed uh, payments process. But as I think we mentioned right in, sometimes these moments are not going to coincide. The cash flow moments of the commercial transaction might not exactly coincide with the process of, of sorry, with a validate of the financial transaction. That's why you need to, uh, to have swaps in place. Now, swap execution, by the way, uh, Guillaume, uh, really interesting here because it could be a, when manually executed, very time consuming and, and resource intensive. And, it, it's, um, and you can make mistakes, right? It's really the possibility of fraud or, or unethical behavior. So to the extent of possible, all of that process needs to be automated. And that's why also one feature that we include in, in currency management automation solutions. We definitely want to dig into this. Um, maybe just to close the loop before. So pre-trade, pretty clear. Uh, the actual trade we just covered. What happens then after the trade? I believe there are quite some steps, right? Um, so what happens once the trade is done? And what type of reporting, including automation that you mentioned, can you walk us through this? Right, yes. That's an interesting point because Again, in, in people understand in one uh, what people understand in currency management stops at the trade phase. That's it. All the work is done. Bye. I can relax. I here I can see the beach in front of me. I can go to the beach, and that's the end of my workflow. It's not the case. More work needs to be done, right? And it's going to involve um, so. Accounting and reporting and analytics. And accounting here has uh, some presents some difficulties. For example, accountants or accountants are trained to recognize on their own on on the books of the company a, a transaction the minute the corresponding invoice has been issued. Right, that's their job, and they must do that. However, especially in the case of forecasted exposures, perhaps you executed the corresponding power transaction before the moment that the invoice is recognized on company books. That can create confusion, right? Because accountants also must record the change in the value of that forward instrument. So you can have a perfectly normal situation in which you would have of origin gain from your commercial exposure that is not yet recognized because the corresponding invoice has not been issued. Yet, you have a foreign exchange loss. Remember that the hedge is the offsetting transaction. One goes in one direction, the other in the other direction. So you could have conceivably a loss in your forward position, corresponding loss. Remember, they're going to cancel each other. One is not recognized while the other is. That creates uh, some confusion. Spam CEOs are, they don't want to see that. They don't understand their sources of these changes. And so there are accounting uh, uh, principles that allow you to go hedge accounting, new accounting standards that allow companies to take away those foreign exchange gains and losses from the PL and put it temporarily in other accounts. But it requires, of course, lots of of hours of work of for accountants is time consuming. It's an expensive process. At least 
what can be automated is the process of, of compiling all that information, right? That can be also automated. Remember that we tend to have, we have, I can't well, the favorable view of automation. We always say that automation removes tasks, not jobs. <laughs> so there is a, a good example also to automate the, the process of compiling all that information. Now, when it comes to reporting and analytics, that's an, another matter. That's more for internal purposes to assess your performance, to assess how well your hedges are working, your KPIs or key. So uh, that is going performance to... Performance indicator. Yeah, that's it. Performance indicator, thank you. Um, and that is going to evolve, of course, depending on the type of program, the distance mm -hmm. uh, to the hedge rate or the the, the PNL, the interest rate impact, all of that. You need, or in the ideal world, of course, we want a reporting system that allows us to that allow us to have all that information on a real-time basis, available on a real-time basis. What's your the impact of of hedges or what is the biggest source of risk or how well you are or performing and all of that needs to be uh, so in such a way that is easy to understand, uh, easy to read with data segregation capabilities. Perhaps it's very sensitive information that not everybody must see. And for that, also, it's an important aspect of, of currency management as well. One is that is, again, disregarded in mostly in, in textbooks, but in real life, believe me, it plays an important role. I think the last year's HSBC survey pointed out to pointed that about eighty percent of of CFOs would like to have at their disposal better analytics systems, and that's also made possible with currency management automation solution. Awesome. Just there is a concept that it took me a while uh, to wrap my head around, which is FX gain and loss. So if I understand it correctly, when you hedge yourself against an FX risk. And if the movement between the two currencies indeed goes down like against you, but you hedged yourself, you make a gain because if you would have not hedged, you would have made a loss. And you actually need to declare that profits in your PL. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yes, absolutely. And the way to think about this is mostly that remember that one is going to cancel the other, right? So mm -hmm. To go back to the example of the U.S. producer with sales in, in euros, if the euro depreciates, right, and when those euros are going to be translated, because there is a time lapse between the moment the transaction is agreed and the moment it's going to be settled in cash. If the euro depreciates during that time lapse, the, the value of your commercial transaction is going to, to diminish. But, but the opposite is going to happen to the value of your forward transaction because you sold those euros in the first place, right? So, and you've got to get a, a lower exchange rate, which is going to create a foreign exchange gain offsetting that foreign exchange loss. Now, the thing to take into account here is that interest rates here play a role. Yes, that's one of the most um, technical and complicated parts, but if I could uh, summarize it in non-technical terms for your audience, it would be the following. 
There are, of course, currencies that are seen as safer, right, than others. <laughs> currencies that are seen as riskier than others. Example is, of course, the Swiss franc, widely seen as the most, uh, as the strongest uh, currency. Now, because of that low risk perception, interest rates in Swiss francs are very low. They're almost nil, right? And if you take interest rates on, say, an emerging market currency where risk is perceived as being higher, interest rates are going to be higher. And that creates a difference between the spot rate and the forward rate. And it's going to have an impact on those for net foreign exchange gains and losses that, that you mentioned, Guillaume. So, for example, in this case, if a Swiss-based company sells Mexican pesos on a foreign basis because the Mexican peso is widely seen as riskier than Swiss franc. So the company is not going to get as much Swiss francs as it would in the spot market. That creates what we call a high cost of hedging. And yes, it's, and it's going to have a, an impact on those net foreign exchange gains and losses, right? Sometimes it's got to be, be in your favor. We call that favorable forward points. The forward points are the difference between the spot and the forward rate or unfavorable forward 